one shot at a time. Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, guys. We are back from PGA Show Week, and we are exhausted but happy to bring back our recap of everything we've learned, experienced, and uh, hopefully some things that we'll bring back to you guys um, that you may not know or that you'll like to know about the PGA Show. So Dante and Isaiah, how are you guys doing this week? Doing good, man. Trying to stay warm. Wish I could have made it down to the show with you guys. It's a shame I had some family stuff come up, but you guys had a great time. Tell me what happened. I missed out. I know. I'm tired. <laughs> Just I, know, I know yesterday was a full day of travel. We're recording this on Monday evening, the 27th, and Dante and I spent all day Sunday as soon as we got back to our respective living quarters in bed doing nothing. It was just nuts. It was it, I, and nuts in a good way. It was so mm. much fun to interact with everyone that we did over the two days. Um, I hope over the next couple of weeks, everyone realizes how much content we were able to produce. Um, and we had a ton of fun doing it. We met a lot of people in the industry, whether it's from the podcasting side of things or guys making clubs, um, you know, bashing guys, girls, head pros, what you have it. We met so many people. Um, that was we're just so generous to be a part of that week and uh yeah it was it was nuts and gangbusters from the from the minute we stepped feet in orlando mm. yeah it, you, it, who was the best person that you met dante tell us uh geez on the spot dang yeah, on the spot uh, <laughs> got you right there i'm excited Who's i didn't the get best? to go who did you enjoy talking to the most? Yeah, I know, and we, and we were so busy, we really didn't get to contact Ooh. with Isaiah. So, like, he's in, he's kind of in the dark as to what we did down there. <laughs> yeah, I got not a clue. So you got to tell. Well, me. okay, okay. So, on, as a fan, it was awesome to meet the golf WRI, uh, WRX guys, uh, mm. Bron, uh, Brian Newton and Rob Miller. Those guys are awesome. Mm. They were such. They were just very open, and they even gave us a bunch of tips. As an interview standpoint. Chris Beck. We interviewed Ooh, Chris Chip. Beck. Chippy. Chip Old Beck. Chip Beck. Chip Beck. <laughs> my bad. My bad. That guy was electric. He was so Yeah, I tell you what, so you know, fun to talk to. When when you interview like a a, a a a guy who hit his peak in the 90s, you never know what to expect. You know, this whole thing with like old man golf versus new new golf, you know, you never know are they going to be like the the old style like uh drab, you know, this is golf golf changed so much and whatever he was electric <laughs> that's crazy for the people that don't know who is chip beck what did he do so chip beck probably best known for being one of uh the third guy ever in tour history to shoot a 59 mm. um he shot that out at i believe at the time las vegas country club yeah um mm -hmm. but also very very notable for playing a huge part in the war on the shore the uh, yep. Ryder Cup down at Kiowa, I believe mm -hmm. it was, um, in 1991. Um, we talked to him a little bit uh, about kind of that Ryder Cup team and just the legends that were on that team from Hale Irwin to Payne Stewart. I mean, the like the list goes on and on. And, you know, Faldo on the international, the European side, um, and just kind of the animosity between the two. Mm -hmm. um, and he loved getting into that. You know, he's like, man, he's – He's like, it's always, it's always chippy between the, either the United States and the Ryder Cup. And it always has been. And, but 
he, a cool thing that I thought he talked about Dante, and maybe you can speak on this as, as well. The Ryder cup in the nineties wasn't really the event that it is today, as far as like notoriety and like coverage and fan coverage. So like, I feel like in the early nineties, he was saying like people were still fighting to make sure the Ryder cup was going to be a thing in the next couple of years. So when the war on the shore happened and it, you know, really took off that it was this nail biting affair between the two countries, that was when, what kind of propelled it into what it is today. Yeah. He was even saying about how this one country hated this one country. And then this hate country hated another one. And then that country hated the other, but then they had to be all <laughs> together on one team. Yet they all had one thing in common was they hated America. So it just started. <laughs> They're like, yes, <laughs> let's butt head. So that's how you get that. Now you see the Ryder cup. Now how you can see just this, you know, the pride of their the nationalities come out when of the United States versus Europe. They're just, they're just like everybody, like, you know, you're like, screw Europe. And that's why everybody <laughs> hates Ian Poulter. Cause he comes out and really puts on a show and they're just like, this guy sucks. Screw him. You stink. And it's just USA, USA, but it's cool to get that, that it's like a camaraderie. Yes. But they're also, you know what? I'm finally playing. I'm putting the flag on my chest and I'm playing for my country and we're going to go out and take it for them. So it was kind of cool to see how at first it was like Dalton was saying, you know, eh, whatever it is, what it is. And then as things progress now, it's like, they can't wait. And that's when you watch it, you can, now you can kind of understand how they just get so fired up for making a five footer to go up one or whatever. Yeah. That was, that was really Exactly. The patriotism definitely comes out out of both, both ends of the spectrum when it comes to that. It's really neat to see and just talking to him because we talked, you know, I was behind the camera most of the time because someone had to do it, which was fine. And I was like, yeah, we got to get you in front. I was like, ah, yeah, you're going, you're rolling with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. It's like, okay. So just listening to them, we had about five minutes set up and the guy who was kind of managing them, we were supposed to talk about, well, we did. So he was representing the one company called Pitch Fix, uh, which they got a lot of neat tools to offer. The one was kind of a, a simple mirror aim point uh, tool to use where it doesn't really revolve around a lot of technology. So we were trying to talk about the company. And they had all these other gadgets to use. And these guys were from Amsterdam. Now they're in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about Ryder Cup the entire time and just about Chip. And then he had to go to an interview in about five yeah. minutes and his man, his manager's like, let's wrap it up. I'm sitting there, yo, one minute, one minute. And then he's like, tell me about pitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it was crazy because we got there on time and it was actually really funny just to give people an, uh, a feel for how big this place was. Right. Like we had, um, we had been walking probably for a good bit of the morning, just kind of shooting around, saying hello to um, some of the people that we were going to have interviews with later in the day, uh, just to kind of make sure everything was still set up and ready to go for the afternoon. And then we kind of had like a weird like hour in between where we could just kind of go and do our own thing before we had to meet up with Chip Beck. And so we walked all the way down to pretty much the end. So like Adidas was really the end cap to like the one side of the, that was like all the, re all the retail area, all, yeah. the, all the clothing. So we had gotten down pretty much there. And now that was in like the 1000s. Now to give you a, a clue of how many people were there, each booth had a number, right? 
that was in the 1000s. We had to run in about a 10 minute time span to the 5500s to get down to where Chip Beck and Pitch Fix were. So that's how freaking many, you know, exhibits were at this, uh, at this place. And, and, and we that was in the it. middle of the middle to the more pushing yeah. towards the end. There was still more on that, on the other side after that, that booth where chip was. <laughs> so That's we had to run. We literally <laughs> ran and we got there on time. So, but it was really cool because like we got there on time. Chip was talking to a couple other people, you know, before us. Um, and I feel like in true chip Beck fashion was running late on his first time um, just because of how genuine of a person he is. I, we could tell that he really just loved conversation um, and getting to know who he was talking to. Like, you know, you know, right. Like he didn't want to just have a conversation with somebody and move on to the next one. He was like legitimately interested in us as who we were, what we were doing, why we were doing the podcast, what the podcast was about, you know, what we wanted to know about him. Um, he, he was, really interested in getting to know people in depth before he jumped on, you know, an interview with them. So that was really cool. And, and like Dante said, we, we ended up, you know, getting to know him a little bit and then kind of getting put to the wire uh, right at the end when he was, uh, he was due for radio at three o'clock. We started our interview at about two fifty six. Um, so <laughs> we got, we got some good content with him and, uh, and did probably make him a minute or two late for his next radio interview. But it was, uh, that was definitely electric and one that had Dante and I both laughing pretty much the whole time we were with him. He's like, yeah, let's, well, you know, we'll like, once I get done this interview, we'll go back, we'll do a podcast. And we're like, uh, yeah, like absolutely. However, <laughs> we got other schedules. <laughs> yeah. So like last minute, I'm like, like ninja starring a, a business card at him just to say, yeah, yeah, we'll get you back on. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was pretty cool and funny. And, and Dante, he seemed to have really taken a fancy to your forearms. Oh my God. Hey, we were shaking our hand and then shake my hand and he would just like slap my forearm. And I'm like, what is going on? I was like, <laughs> he was a great yeah, guy. He, he was, he was awesome. Definitely someone you can just sit back and just listen to his stories and just try and, ha and have a conversation with them because he's very energetic. And, and you can yeah. tell he had a million stories to tell too. Like if you had the whole day just to sit down in a chair and like, a bottle of whiskey with chip back you wouldn't need to do much else you know no, what you guys did yeah, do it, it, where else did you go what'd you do oh, oh my goodness let's see <laughs> let's let, let, how about this i'll run down real briefly of our day by day kind of thing just yeah, like the so time we, time thing so we left our houses dalton and baltimore i'm in philly left for the airport 3 a.m for 6 a.m flights we got there, got the car, head on over to the show. We, once we got our passes and actually on to the convention floor, it was about 10.30, right? We did our runs. We did our interviews. By that time, we then, I mean, we ate absolute dog crap of food. I mean, we were rushing, shoving stuff in our, in our face. We ate podcasts, got back to the hotel, went to, what else? We went to Top Golf. Well, we did two podcasts. We did two podcasts. Yeah. Went to went to Top Golf. We're up till two a.m. Went to bed. Next day comes. We're doing again. Became fans. It, it was just it, we probably slept for about 15, 15 hours in three days. No, I would give a pro tip to anyone going to the show next year. Um, like 
buy cliff bars or buy granola bars or something. Buy yeah, some buy some healthy stuff. Buy some fruit, maybe. Uh, buy something healthy to take with you. You know, uh, take a backpack. Uh, we ate absolute dog crap. Convention center, you know, didn't really vendor food. Much we at all. Ate once a day, ish. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you this: if you're going and you're producing content, and you know you're you're meeting people, trying to get interviews, you're going to be on your feet all day which is great. That's awesome. You're going to meet a lot of people, but you're going to be on the run. So definitely make sure you have some type of source of, yeah. of food. Well, it's like, <laughs> and it's funny too, because like going. speaking of running into other people, like we talked a little bit earlier, we ran into uh, Bradley Putters, a uh, guy that runs Bradley Putters. And, and he had a couple of good pro tips for us too, you know, and, and he kind of, uh, as many awesome freaking putters as he does, you would think he had a booth set up. He doesn't. He just walks around with a couple putters in his hand because people know who he is by now. But one thing that he always said was like, man, just especially for media like us and to anyone who wants to do that in the future. And we found this to be very true as well. Set up something, some kind of meetings, reach out before you get down there. Cause we went, we, we weren't even there Wednesday, which is like the busiest day out of them all. And Thursday was a nut house. So I can't even imagine because people were saying how much slower Thursday was from Wednesday that like, I can't imagine trying to just walk up to people and try and talk to them on Wednesday, let alone Thursday. I thought it was busy Thursday. It was insanely busy Thursday. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, um, people were very gracious with their time that we had set up with, but a couple other folks that, you know, we had kind of ran into and said, Hey, would you mind? You know, they did. But it, you could tell it was on the fly and they had a million other things going on. So like we were kind of lucky to get a couple of the other gets that we did just by good timing. But I can see how if you're not having that kind of luck that it could turn into zero interviews in a heartbeat. Mm. So that's great. You guys got down there. You're wiped. You saw so many different products, met so many different people. What was the most innovative product you guys think that you saw? Hmm. I tell you what, I'm, I'm not going to go into it too much in depth, but I'll be honest. I think it's going to come on our Thursday episode. I think, Ah. I think the Thursday episode that we have is going to really change the way people start reading greens. And I think it's, it's got a good opportunity to maybe even help with pace of play, whether Mm -hmm. it's on tour or, you know, these freaking green reading books, man, they're so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about reading slope. And, yeah. um, and I, I think, I, I think that, I think the technology that we're going to feature on Thursday has got a, got a really good way to uh, innovate the game and the way we look at green reading. For right, sure. And one thing that I thought was actually really cool. Well, one, all the innovative and stuff using technology was sweet, was probably the coolest stuff to see. But one thing that caught, me off guard that you wouldn't even think was one giant booth selling range equipment <laughs> like yeah you saw really yeah you saw so you saw like the pyramids for the range balls you saw the the pickers you saw every little stuff that you see on the range that equipment wise that's needed to be used they were there promoting those products and i'm sitting there how much how much can this stuff change we didn't really dive much into it but that was kind of something that was really cool to see. And then even, even on the other side of that booth, there were people selling kind of, you know, 
this stuff to hold, you know, like the sandboxes, the mm-hmm. the the cl- uh, the club cleaners, like on the ranges. There's really nice ones. Uh, flag sticks, flags, like all that type of yeah, stuff like for the golf course. Thirty different flag designs. So like. <laughs> That was that was a funny moment for me where I was like, man, Bryson DeChambeau might not be full of shit. There might be different things <laughs> out there. Like, like you might yeah. have to test the coefficient of restitution on that. There was guy. Different <laughs> different sizes, different different diameters in the in the in the flag stick alone. Just yeah. and these were pretty solid big boots promoting this stuff granted the one was had to be because these machines were absolutely massive well when i think that's i think that's the coolest thing about it that like the outsider might forget when they're looking at the pga show is like these pga shows are meant for head club professionals to take back to their courses and make Mm -hmm. better whether it's you know i mean if we're gonna go on a second favorite for me innovative wise it was the, it's not one particular, but the range of like new golf scooters and golf mm-hmm. motorcycles, like two yeah. wheel cycles that have your clubs coming out the front. Like it, it's cool to see people rethinking the way we approach a golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously love to walk. Can't, you know, can't get enough of walking a golf course. But like if I have an alternative that like if they're going to make me ride that I don't have to sit like a traditional sit back like I do, but like ride a freaking motorcycle. Mm. Yeah. I'll probably take that option. I, hell I'd probably even pay like 15 bucks more around 20 bucks mm-hmm. more around to ride a motorcycle. That'd be pretty cool. Just for the experience. Yeah. yeah. So it's stuff like that too, that I thought like, you know, club innovation wise, we see it on social media already. Like mm-hmm. I knew what the Maverick was. I, I knew all of titles, new stuff coming out. Um, can we talk for a second on Titleist's choice of sport coat color for the for the event? Dante, did you take notice to that? Wasn't it like an off-white tuxedo looking? It thing? was like an off-white <laughs> cream tuxedo. It was like someone oh, it was just <laughs> ugly. It, I don't I don't even think we even walked into their booth. It didn't. I was so disgusted I kept walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it's was fashion, that- bro. <laughs> It looked like they were going to prom. Yeah. And they and it was really bad too. They weren't tailored correctly. It was all like oversized. It was legitimately like a a junior was going to senior prom and he was using his dad's sport coat because he didn't want to buy one for himself. Like that's how badly they were tailored. <laughs> and that's from Titleist too. And that's from yeah. Titleist. Now I'll be honest, Dante and but, I didn't spend too much time in any of the club manufacturers. Well, and that's that's one of the things that even like some people were saying that they might have been you know, complaining about when you're going down. And one thing to say is like you're saying, Dalton is it, it's for the industry. And that's what I think people forget. It's for the industry. It's for those in this, in the industry. So you see a lot of things that may be really overpriced, but at the same time, it's for your club. It's how can I, or how can I better my teaching studio? You know, how can I elevate the game in that aspect to bring it to to bring it to my clients, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all customers going to either, <laughs> either clubs or we're either going to studios to get lessons to work on our game. So how is that company going to better themselves to provide a better product to that customer? So it was really neat to see those, those innovative and different technologies because, and there wasn't much clubs. And I think a lot of people get a little discouraged and a little upset about that is you don't see these club manufacturers there because they don't show up, but like 
tailor made. They didn't show up the past two years because they released that stuff already. And then you have all these social media markets that, you know, they say, okay, yeah, you guys can promote this stuff and release it. So you see it and see the reviews already beforehand. Well, and that's just the way technology is going. Oh, exactly. And not only do you have that, then, then they're like their sub market does the work for them too. Exactly. All the places they retail their clubs at, whether it's pro shops, Dick's Sporting Goods, Golf Galaxy, PGA Superstore, they all run commercials for the new stuff to come out too. So it's like at, at a point in time, like how much work do these club manufacturers really have to do when they release their products? Because every, everyone, whether it's someone who reviews it or other big chain stores do their work for them. So it's like, as long as they get a good looking product out the door, it sells without them really touching it. And one of the booths, exactly. And then going, going back to one of the booths that I really liked seeing was the one where they were using different materials that weren't plastic, but they made plastics that didn't bend. Oh man, I'm going to go nuts on what the name of that product was. Evolve. Evolve. Evolve Golf. Yes. Golf, golf. Mm-hmm. And they were also making teas that were biodegradable. Yeah. That pro- and then that produced like fertilizer seed. He, into he the, literally into said the- there was like seed in the tea. So <laughs> that like now, now this is a greenskeeper's worst nightmare though. I'll be honest with you, because if all these teas are falling right around the club, you know, like the tea box and whatever in like two to three years, if they don't clean them up, get stomped in the ground, they're going to have roots right at their, right at their tea box. So I honestly didn't think of that till right now, but mm-hmm. that might not be the greatest thing, but great idea. Wonderful idea. On envir- I guess on an environmental standpoint, for sure. But oh, yeah, yeah, going back to <laughs> keeping maintenance, that's probably going to actually drive costs again. Cause Slight now you're nightmares. Like, oh yeah. Your guy's going to be pretty pissed. Yeah. But I think that's pretty much what, what, what I think this shows about is that kind of stuff. It's for those in the industry looking for how can we better our product, but also the camaraderie and that you're bringing the golf community all to one location for you to meet people, to mingle, to you know, network. You know, we met so many people like, like Olsen putters. We were out with them Thursday, Thursday night. Prime example. Two of them. We were at top golf. We were with the, with the follower, which was awesome. And you know, he brought along, he goes, you guys know Olsen putters. He was telling the Dalton, <laughs> I must've missed this. So he comes yep. and he's handing us stickers. Right. And, yep. And I'm like, look at it. I'm like, Olsen putters. I follow that. I was like, wait a second. You're Olsen putters? He's like, yeah. Nicest kid ever. 22-year-old kid. So yeah. shout, out, <laughs> shout out to him. Uh, if anyone doesn't follow him, go give a follow to Olsen putters. Um, he is 22 years old, does all the work by himself, uh, custom hand, like handmade putters, whatever you can think of, does custom necks, flow necks long necks i mean whatever you want in a putter the dude will make it for you and he's going to make it look exquisitely good mm. um he's just damn good at what he does there's there's nothing really else i can say about that and uh i mean he he de- definitely what's it wears his work on his sleeve is that the is that yeah. the saying or whatever yep. yeah mm. he for sure i mean this guy he's putting countless hours by himself into this into his craft what i loved about it the most was anytime we like you or i when we went back and kind of hung out and like got got to look at all of his putters when you and i asked him a question about something or why he designed it that way there was a perfect like a perfect reason why he designed it that way and how it should work and he would show you why it worked or he would pick up one putter say okay this is why this is this way and then show you another putter of what does the exact opposite of the putter that he designed 
for this reason. So like his knowledge of why the putters work the way they work and how his designs come together to make certain swing arcs and, you know, face balance versus not, you know, toe hang putters. The, the, it, it was just insane the amount of knowledge he had to go into all his different putters. Mm. That's crazy. So you guys, we're, that's why we're up till two in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> looking at fancy putters for yeah. sure. I mean, can so you guys, yeah. So shout out to uh, Jordan Bloxham. That's who it was. Uh, shout out to you, bud. He picked up one of our. Uh, he picked up one of our towels while we were down there as well. So, uh, shout out to some people picking up some merch down there at the show. We really appreciate the support. What What was that, Isaiah? No, I was saying. So you guys, you went, you saw the show, you saw some crazy putters, met some awesome people. You're in Florida. It's like the golf mecca of the United States. Did you play? Oh, yeah. So Friday we uh, – oh, did we play? If you think I'm going to Florida <laughs> and not taking the sticks, you're insane. Yeah. So Friday the show actually – so the show pretty much opens Wednesday. The floor opens Wednesday and Thursday mm-hmm. from 8 to 6. And then Friday it closes at 3. So – we were lucky enough to get in the Machinella Skins game, which we did do an, a podcast, which is actually available. Mm. Uh, you guys can go listen to that. We won't really go much into detail, but it was one of the. It was a great time. So after that, we did our last last interview, and then immediately from there, we ran to the car to get in the car to go down the Winter Park and play in the Winter Park Skins game, which mm. definitely a bucket list to any listeners out there. If you can get down to Orlando, play in the Friday afternoon matt janela skins game at winter park you won't regret it and you can win some cash if you if you drop some birdies yeah check out (laughs) our check out our podcast on that because we talk about all the cash that's rolling through there now granted it was a major crowd with the pga show being in town so probably probably a little more prize money than usual but uh but still just great people um we did play with some locals and, and you can like, like, like we said, check out our, our episode eight podcast where we dove into everything about the, the skins game and what made it so special and why we uh, can't recommend it enough to, to everyone there. But uh, it, it was just something that was so much fun and, uh, and we really hope to be able to do it again. Oh yeah. And then Saturday we basically were like, all right, we're taking, this is the day for ourselves. We went out and we played 36 holes. The first round was called a course called Dubs Dread. That was probably one of my favorite courses I've played. It was only 6,100 from the tips, but it was a pretty tough course because you really have to strategize on what shot you wanted to, wanted to play. Cause there was water that snuck up on you everywhere off the tee on that course. I mean, everywhere. Like I feel like just in perfect Florida fashion, everywhere that you were like, at least for us – going to land a driver there was water that was just bottlenecking in on you and making your landing area like half the size of what the rest of the course was you know the Um, the one par five we're sitting there it was probably the whole i dislike the most (laughs) there was it was 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 rock bottom of the round for me i could tell you that (laughs) yeah so it was probably about 500 maybe or something but what happens you teed off over water and then you had this landing area and then it kind of slanted and did like a little sliver snake thing and there was water again there and then it opened up again to a weird tear green that was like almost peanut shaped but very skinny but horizontal so 
if you wanted to play it safe, you would have to hit the ball less about 195, the lane in the fairway, or you had the skinny strip. Or if you really wanted the bomb driver, you had to carry it over three bills to get it on the other side just to basically even have the next uh, widest fairway to land on. Mm. So you're sitting there like, okay, do I want to play this hole backwards and go, you know, iron three wood into the green? Or do I want to try mm. and hammer the, the driver to see if I can get it that distance? Well, and behold, we all hit pull driver right in the water the second part of the <laughs> so we I all smoked it there. too that's what made me so mad i don't know if it was just that heavy florida air but ball no go far in in florida and it was apparent on that hole and yeah we we all we all dropped one in the water on that hole well it, it was weird too because we were coming from you know coming from the north we're like all right we're going to florida warm weather well it's the end of january it's winter wherever wherever and it was a nice, cool 60-degree day with some wind, but you can still feel a little bit of that winter air. And it, like you were just saying, it almost seemed like the ball wasn't going. It would go up and then just kind of sit there and then come back down. Yeah. But, I mean, granted, I mean, we were in Florida in winter wearing no more than a, than a pullover. Yeah, but, I mean, the afternoon uh, on Friday, I was wearing shorts and actually kind of getting a little sweat a little bit. So yeah, it got it, a little warm. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything to, like, you know, be in a tank top and, and swim trunks and expect to go swimming or something like that. Even though some of the water parks we drove by, there were people there. <laughs> Volcano Mountain. Shout wild. out to Volcano Mountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah their, their lines were packed when we drove by. Yeah, no, we, uh, man, we, we had a rough start to the morning on that front nine at Dubs Dread. But I think once I started pulling out two iron off the tee and you started playing a little more conservative off the tee, too, the, the game kind of came back to us a little bit. We started to figure out how to play that course. I snuck in a few birdies, had a nice couple of approach shots in there. Also, it was my, hot. It was. It was getting that hot. Thanks to S. Putters for putting that brass copper piece in there. That Holy. thing money. I did sink a nice 25-footer, pretty little slider almost. Dropped oh, right yeah. in there. Whew. Right. It, it was like my first birdie look of the day, too, and he's sitting like, 10 feet outside of me and just drops it. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that, was the, that was the hole we actually decided to start playing more conservative golf and we yeah. both pull irons off the tee. <laughs> yeah, the minute I started pulling iron at that tee, it was a whole other, it was a whole other ball game. But mm. I think, no, I think the listeners would love to hear this too. The reason we chose Dubs Dread was because it was one of the few courses in Orlando you could actually walk. A lot of those resort courses, they won't even let you walk. Um, so, so Dante had found this place and, and, um, and it was high on our list right off the bat for the simple fact that you could walk it. And it was really an easy walk. We actually, uh, we had a, another follower join us, uh, during the, the morning round. And, uh, he originally was in a cart and Dante and I stroll up with our bag strapped on our shoulders. And we're like, Hey, we're going to walk, you know? And, and he was like, Oh, hell yeah. And ditched the cart and walked right with us. And, and also kind of commented on how easy of a walk it was. So, um, highly recommendable for anyone and since down there apparently it's considered peak season and we paid maybe 20 bucks less than a normal right yeah it was like 50 maybe even 60 dollars i think i think it was originally supposed to be 65 but then once we told them we were walking they knocked it down to 45 yeah it was something like that and it was awesome because you know peak season some of those courses i was looking at were up to 150, 175 to play. So it's, and that's what I like about 
some of those Florida, the two Florida, like so far the first course, Winter Park, and then Dubs Dread, they were tucked in these neighborhoods that you would have never known it wasn't on this open resort land or whatever. They were just these hidden gems. And they were both conditions on both courses. Greens were great. Tee to green were phenomenal. Yeah, it, it couldn't get any better. No. And then, okay. yeah, afternoon round, we head over to Disney and went and played nice resort Disney Palm mm. Palm course. That was nice. Uh, that, always those are in great condition too. Um, it just was more packed. They actually, I think they had a, I think it was all teaching professionals. They had a tournament on the other course. We played Disney Palms. I think they had it on the Magnolia course. So you saw all those guys coming off playing. Cause I mean, you see all the bags, you got names on them. You see, you're looking at the clubs, you got blades, cavity back irons. You're like, Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, that was really, really cool. <laughs> we rolled in and we're like, uh, we're at the wrong place. There's a, there's a lot of professional golfers here. And turns out they were all like club pros, head pros, what it may be. But now Disney was really cool, and, and we kind of found it just by happenstance. We, we walked in and, and had, to, had to use the men's facilities before, before the round. And uh, when you walk into the men's facilities, right around the corner is kind of their locker room area. Now from, I don't know exactly the year it started, but I know it was back in like the 80s. Um, they started having the Disney Classic there. It was kind of the kickoff to the season for a lot of the PGA Tour events, um, I think straight through the early 2000s. But uh, each locker had the name of the, the winner of that year on it. So they went right from the year it started all up, up into the current, um, you know, year. And uh, Jack Nicholas's name was on there a couple times. Arnold Palmer was on there. Uh, and a real special one for me just because of, of how much my dad loved Payne Stewart. They actually had Payne Stewart's locker on there, but it was all sealed up. It had Payne Stewart's you know, a couple shirts, his trophy, a picture of him hoisting the trophy and a shoes. nice little like shrine, his, his shoes, which was really neat. Um, so, I mean, they, they just did a phenomenal job of, of honoring him in his winning year locker. And the title is pro model golf balls at that time were up there too. I don't know if you noticed mm -hmm. that. It's on the top oh, I shelf. didn't notice that. Yeah. I missed that. Oh I man. I looked at, that was the first thing I noticed. That's that's Where one of the just, coolest things, and I, I, maybe we'll get into a podcast with that sometime. But just ball technology, because it's so cool what those guys used to work with, and you could actually work the old ball more mm -hmm. than you can some of these newer balls. Um, so it, that would we'll we'll get into that sometime. So actually. It, perfect opportunity to let our listeners know where they can find us because i think that'd be really cool to maybe you know hear from the listeners of of what they like what ball they'd like to hear us cover or maybe you know what ball they'd like to see us get in on the, on the podcast that we do a ball technology on so i mean if they want to contact us at underscore enjoy the walk we're on instagram and twitter under that handle and enjoy the walk 19 at gmail.com feel free to send us an email there as well super easy to uh get in contact with us and uh get featured on the show so drop us your name and your your question or your ball manufacturer type that you'd like to hear us cover and uh and we'll, and we'll put you on that ball technology show mm. so now that was cool and then you know we worked around our uh or your way around and then obviously tiger woods popped his name up a couple times and uh Duffy Waldorf had his name on there. Just, mm. just some classic names. And uh, David Duvall, uh, former number one, uh, Luke Donald was up there. You know, just, just a lot of really high-quality names in a locker room that was, you know, right there and right across from the clubhouse. So it was pretty neat to see that kind of history on a course like that. And, you know, 
as a golf nerd that I am, it's always neat to see those kind of things when you walk into a facility like that, especially when you're unexpecting it. Mm. That's all. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, Dalton's reaction when he saw that. Well, first we saw Payne Stewart and then, yeah. then we just saw all the names and he's like, what the, he's like, yo, and we're like walking around looking at all, all, all the names. So that was, that was definitely a, a neat thing, a neat thing to say. Yeah. And now like getting into the course a little bit, I think by that time when we got to Disney Palms, we had had such a day Thursday getting up so early, barely slept Thursday night into Friday, did a lot of content again, Friday, played Friday evening, got up super early Saturday morning to play in the morning, walked 18. So like, as our good buddies from the North would say, our hoofs were barking at that point. And, uh, it just we we were we were toast. So we Oops. did uh we did we did ride that last round and boy I tell you what probably the nicest thing about Disney Palms Resort the cart seats they flush they were like the, actually they felt like the the classic car seats like if yeah, you're yep. sitting if you go to a classic car show and you sit in those seats they got like the ridges in the middle of the of like the 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 butt area and the and the middle of the back and then the and then the seat kind of rises up around like the side of your thighs that's what you were sitting in because we sat down and we sunk into the i felt like i was seat. in a lazy boy recliner and we were <laughs> sitting there just bouncing Ooh, ooh, this is nice they give you like a towel and everything country club resort-esque it, you know, those those carts were fast oh we were ripping <laughs> now i they wish i wish cruising. our round i wish our round went as as fast as that uh as that cart uh, did but unfortunately we waited around a lot and you know that's resort golf and kind of to be expected but it was pretty cool how we wrapped up the day you know the last two holes were almost pitch black uh we were bumping the you know the the other nice thing is we were bumping the stereo all day long kind of just hanging out we uh we played with the guys from boston scott so shout out to them Really enjoyed the uh, the time playing around with them. Kind of when we were both all exhausted from the week, we had both done a lot to, you know, boost our own brands and, and do content. So hanging out with the Boston Scott guys, just riding around, chilling, having a couple drinks, listening to music was a really good way to kind of end it all out and just relax. Um, we really didn't do a whole lot of content from the course on Saturday just because we were so beat. But um yeah. when we wrapped up the round it was just about pitch black so we all decided just to say you know what screw it we're all going to tee off at the same time on 18 and we finished out all four of us did in the absolute dark we could our second anything. our second shots we get up to it we all somehow we all we all hit pretty decent shots three were in the fairway i was just off to the rough a little bit but somehow found it we all hit our shots i hit my we hit them and it was like no idea where it went. We'll figure it out again. Somehow we found them. Three we out of four fairway. It. Yeah. <laughs> and, then we, and then we chipped onto the green, and we actually all finished the hole with our own ball, which was – It was miraculous. Ball, which was, it was pretty neat to see because after I hit my second shot, I thought I lost it. It was such a bad uh, – it, it was so clunky, and I was like, no idea. No idea. Found well, it, was, it. It was pretty cool too because like it was a par five, so it was long. So I think the approach shot was over two hundred yards. Yeah. And there was a little like bridge we had to go across, so there was like water short. So it was like definitely not a good hole to just have no clue where your second shot's going. It was kind of just hit and hope. 
And I think we all played our best hole of the day in the absolute pitch black. <laughs> I think so too. Definitely if we go back down there again next year, we're going down, we're playing rounds before because by the time at the end of all the content and the lack of sleep by the, when we played, whew, did that club feel like a thousand pounds in my hand? <laughs> I was so tired. I, I'm, I mean, yeah, I don't know that's my you. excuse. My poor play. Yeah, I had a couple bad holes, but I, I was exhausted. I don't know about you, but I just think I just need a couple more Captain and Cokes throughout the round, and I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Man, I started sipping on those on the back nine. I, that, that was my <laughs> that was my best nine of the whole trip. Was the last <laughs> nine. I, well, I, I don't get it, but uh, Captain that always helps smooth things out. That and Red Bulls were tossed around pretty frequently. Mm. Oh, those are just the magic elixir, you know. <laughs> well, game was founded on alcohol, boys. So, so they there you say. go. <laughs> well yeah i mean that that just about wraps up our kind of quick synopsis of, of our time down at the pga show uh, we were lucky enough to kind of meet up with sherry major who ran the entire event there at the convention center uh for the pga and uh we just i just want to thank her again for all the hospitality and and how easy she made it for us being our first show down there uh being credentialed media to you know reserve rooms for us to do our long form podcast which we'll release uh one here at you know coming up next and uh one on Thursday so i mean it just uh it was a blessing to be able to be down there and get all the content that we did and you know get get in there and make the relationships we did too i think we made a lot of relationships in, in the industry that are uh not only going to last you know throughout the enjoy the walk but i i would think like to think you know for a lifetime whether we're doing this or or doing something else in our lives so um there's a lot of good people in the golf industry and and i think i'm i'm really excited to see where some of the uh some of the smaller guys in the industry are are looking forward to in 2020 for sure and uh don't worry sherry your your buffalo bills will make it there (laughs) she's a big bills fan big bills fan so shout out to sherry and her buffalo bills I don't know if I can totally get behind him, but if they make it to the playoffs, we'll, we'll send her some Bills merchandise. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sounds so guys, good, man. Guys, that's, uh, that, that'll about do us. And uh, up next, we have an interview with uh, Anthony Mulkey. So that name probably doesn't ring a bell, but I guarantee you the next one will. He owns Golf Drawn. He does all of the artwork that's behind Golf Drawn. Now, for those of you that might follow him on Instagram, he does – golf-centric custom designs and illustrations. So he draw, he draws any of your, you know, golf courses, layouts, um, country club layouts, the top 100 courses in the, you know, country. He'll do those layouts as well. Um, but pretty neat fact about him before we jump into his interview for you guys, he was put on a list at the end of the show from Golf Digest, golf.com, whatever it may be. Um, all the ranking heads got together and said, what were the 10 coolest things at the show this year in 2020? Well, he made the list. Now, it wasn't a 1 to 10, so it was kind of just top 10 in no particular order. But um, I can guarantee you guys go check him out, and as at the end of his segment, you'll find out where to find him, how to contact him if you want your course drawn up by Anthony. So without further ado, uh, we'll get into Anthony's interview here. And as always, guys, enjoy the walk, and I hope you enjoy his interview. Enjoy the walk. Enjoy the walk, guys. All right, guys, welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast. Uh, pretty special interview today. We're down at the PGA show here in 2020, and we have the man behind Golf Drawn. If you've seen his uh, images on Instagram or you know, at the PGA show here and uh, co-exhibiting here in the last couple of years, 
Uh, this is the man behind the madness of golf drawn, Anthony. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I yeah, appreciate absolutely. it. So, I guess first and foremost, is it a one-man show? Are you the only guy doing all these drawings? So, I'm the only one that does the drawings. Uh, at this point, we've been fortunate enough to grow um, in the last year, really, uh, to add a, a team of about five that, you know, handle uh, receiving orders, um, updating the site, social media. Uh, we also have a team of sales reps uh, across the country for our club account and green grass business. Um, but as far as the designs go, I'm still the only one that, that does the designs. Uh, yeah, it, it, it makes it, uh, it, it's a little bit tough, but it's, it also keeps it kind of the way it started and the way it's intended. You know, people have asked, well, could some could you teach somebody else how to do it? Could you just figure that out? But it's like, they wouldn't all be the same and it wouldn't be, it's just, you know, it's not something that, as a designer, I, I work as an architect full time, and I kind of get that. You know, when you put your designer's touch on it, and you kind of have your style. Right, it, right. It'd be tough to, to make that happen with someone else's name. I totally agree. So that's something that we, you know, I've kept it this way, and it's likely going to stay that way for at least the foreseeable future. So. Absolutely, yeah, that's, that's really cool. And, uh, you know, basing off of that, that it is just you. Uh, how you feeling this year? Just uh, I know it's something we. Visited you at your, your, uh, your down at the booth, yeah. You have a little bit of a team kind of helping you out, but uh, are, you, are you getting to a point where you're like, all right, well, I'm booked for a good, uh, good while from here on out? Yeah, so, um, you know, this will be a little over two and a half years now that Golf Run has existed. Um, first, with, you know, just as an Instagram account and then our retail site, and then it organically grew into uh, the club accounts in Greengrass, but, um, you know, Last year, as I mentioned beforehand, you know, we've co-exhibited down here. We've had pieces on display. I've been to the show, met with folks. Um, and last year, really, you know, last, uh, yesterday, a year ago, uh, we, you know, I was down here and we kind of set out that this year we wanted to make sure we had a booth. You know, we had gotten to a point um, last year where we sold to enough clubs. We had enough accounts, so to speak. Um, the retail site had grown to what it has in the Instagram and it was, you know, coming down here for us was an opportunity that, you know, we couldn't pass up. But at the same time, um, with where we are, uh, still somewhat new, but, you know, like getting to that three-year point, it was also like a litmus test for myself and, you know, the people that helped me out and the brand itself. You know, I would rather, I was, we had reached a point where I needed some answers on things. You know, we need answers on the space we work with, some of the uh, equipment we use, you know, produce the, especially with the wholesale accounts, the products that we produce, we have everything in house now. So, you know, there were volume questions and, and logistics of figuring out the best way to do things. And, you know, do we need this space so we can add this or should we go about it this way? And, you know, being here um, and, you know, speaking with our clients, new clients receiving these orders, you know, that's going to answer a lot of those questions and ultimately help, you know, propel us on after this. So this is a really important you know, for us to come down here in a really important year, it will be for us after this. Absolutely. And no, I think uh, anyone who's been a part of it, and I know it's our first time down here, Dante, um, from the second we stepped into this place, it's massive. It is just overwhelming. And um, so it, it's good to hear at least you're kind of taking yourself in on the uh, aspect of it all and just being able to bottle it in within your booth, it seems like, and kind of just take one person at a time. Yeah, it's almost like controlled chaos out there. Yeah, I it mean, is. I mean, you're basically, like, we, we came into the booth, you know, just to 
show our faces and just kind of reconnect saying, Hey, you know, we'll meet later. And then, you know, you other people just rolling right in and then, you know, you had to take care of that. And, you know, we get that. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of people are out here. It's like, you know, there were three of us really like manning the booth the last two days, you know, and some of it's like kind of unfortunate cause you know, like you guys stop in and say hi and you know, then, you know, somebody comes in that has to be, you know, like greeted or make sure we get that organized. And again, like, you know, we do fortunately sell to a lot of clubs, but still, you know, I'm, you know, I will get giddy when, you know, club x you know walks in it's, it's like you know oh, that's you know or my buddy cold that helps me yeah uh you know he's like you know you got to get over here and it's like you know then you check the badge and you're like oh okay yeah all right yeah i'm, I'm you know i'll have to catch up with you guys later because you know it, it's a, what a account that would mean a lot you know and i still get like sure. excited over stuff like that for specific places obviously um but no it really is chaos you kind of like got to get people in get people out but still you know make sure everybody you got to know what they want you got to give them all the attention they deserve and need but you also like actually you can't be with them like for that long because they're you know you will create a line um like out out of the booth which you just it's nuts but we're yeah, I still mean, learning that part of it. We understood. Business is business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we knew you Thank were going to see us does. later in the day. And, right, and right. Uh, it was uh, it was good to see you that busy, uh, that consistently. And it did. It seemed like one after the other after uh, the other. Yeah. And, uh, and then finally, I just, a uh, nice young woman who was working with you, I just said, you know what? Here's what we'll be. He can be here we'll at this time. Right, yeah, right, let him right. let, let the man work. So we, we understood that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how, how did golf drawn come about yeah so uh, i started it i was actually i was looking for exactly what we do now for myself so i was looking for prints some sort of decor just to decorate my own place um and what was out there first of all i didn't it's not even that i didn't like it i it it wasn't for me because it you know there was a lot of you could always google and find merch or products anything on like top 100 top 10 clubs you know big names um, but you know, I never had played any of those places. So, you know, I don't want the, you know, number one club in the country. If I've never played there, like, I don't need a print of that. You know what I mean? I want like my home track. I want the place where I learned to play golf. I want the place where I've taken a buddy's trip, whatever it may be. Right. So, you know, that wasn't out there. And then number two, the stuff that was out there was really expensive. Um, so I was like, I feel like I might be able to like do some of this stuff on my own. And I don't have like an art background, like people will ask and not, you know, I was a political science major. Uh, I went to law school. I never was like an artist, but I always had an iPad and an Apple pencil. Like, so that was how it got started. Just like doodling on that. Um, and then hand drawings, you know, turned digital, but I literally started by just drawing the stuff up for myself so that I could decorate the house. Um, and then it got to the point where my girlfriend was like, okay, like if you're going to do this every single night, you like at least make an Instagram, you know, kind of like people probably maybe say the same thing about like a podcast or like oh, yeah. a YouTube channel. You know, if you're going to like get passionate about something like in this day and age, you might as well just see how it's received. Like not even necessarily like to monetize. Cause like when I first made the Instagram for it, it was kind of just like, well, I have all these drawings done now. So like what they're just sitting here, yeah. might as well at least post them. And then like the Instagram was really well received. So then that turned into like, okay, well, no, if this is well received, making a website. Okay. Like knew nothing about that either. Like, all right, we'll make a Shopify site. Okay. So then, you know, then, then that was well received, but it, even through that, like it was all still built around like the custom orders because once it gained popularity and then, you know, like I kind of understood, okay, maybe this could be, you know, at first obviously like hobby side business and then, you know what it is now, but 
it was always about the custom uh, because, you know, what I was looking for, like I said, was like my home track, my place. And when we first started and as we started to grow, it was always, you know, other people reaching out. Hey, my dad taught me to play the golf at this municipal course. There's no way you could draw that, right? And I'd be like, well, as long as we can, like, if I can find anything that allows me to go off of it, look at, um, like, we can do it, you know? And that was kind of like how the whole thing was like, we can draw any course started because um, it really is true, like, at least attempt to. I mean, there hasn't been one yet that we haven't done Love or been able to, I guess <laughs> you would say, right? Um, but so it was always important for that because, you know, it's like, and that's what really grew it. It's giving attention, like propping up these courses that otherwise wouldn't be because like I said, you know, um, you can always find merch or different things on huge clubs, international clubs, but you know, people, the courses that mean a lot to people and, you know, that actually have a lot of value that don't get that same attention or, you know, you can't go get it printed on a, a pullover or something, you know, it's like, it was an, an outlet for people, including myself. Like when I started to kind of like, let me let my goat track par three, let's make that look as cool as this top 10 club, you know, sitting in a frame, it looks just as nice, you know? So that was really like how it all started. And speaking off of that, I like, I like that idea about your brand is kind of, you're not going after the top 100 courses. You can do all the other courses. And as we were discussing off camera, Turns out you and I actually belong to the same home course, <laughs> That's right. Running Deer, Deer, <laughs> Running Deer Golf Club, <laughs> Pittsgrove, New Jersey, owned by Ron Jaworski. And it was funny because Dalton told me that we booked you to do a podcast. And turns out I told him, I was like, yo, he belongs to my course. He goes, get out. Don't say anything. I was Let's like, I haven't, I haven't right, seen this guy. Right. I, I booked know you- it and I was like, no way. I was like, Are you, you're kidding. Like, come on, just be real. I like, you got to be kidding me. And then it turns out it's true. And it's like, it's a, it's a crazy small world, but you guys really, I mean, there's a dichotomy within your club. There's, there's a bunch of different groups that like, and, and you weren't and, really aware of each other. And that's when you get that, that connection too, as well. When you see that product, like you saying, you can have Oak, Oakmont drawn, or you can have Augusta drawn, but you have running deer drawn. You and I play that course. We go right. on that course. I'm like, wow, that's something cool. That's a product. I know that place. And I'm sitting there at, at your booth it's plastered right up there and then you know i'm like that's hole one and this is how you start this and you get to 18 and then right. and you did it for the member guests it yep, was just awesome that. to see it everybody sign it i mean it was really cool and that, that's like it just gives you a personal touch for your brain yeah that that's important to us and it i mean it's also funny because like so i grew up in oakmont i'm originally from pittsburgh and i literally grew up in oakmont pennsylvania um went to high school in oakmont i caddied at oakmont for a little over 12 years i think it ended up being pretty much the whole way through both high school, college, uh, beginning of law school before we moved to Philadelphia. Um, and so it's funny because like, I do know that side of it, but again, like I was just a caddy, like people would say like, Oh, you're from Oakmont. Like, you know, and they'd like jaw drops. He's like, no, the listen, we played on Mondays. <laughs> we played on Mondays only sometimes. And you didn't really play because after you caddy on Monday, you weren't going to go carry your own bag again most of the time. But yeah, you know, we played it, um, grew up there. Uh, but so I know that side of it, but, again, the most important part in the growth of it has always been like anybody's home course, the home course, your home course, his home course, anyone's, the public track and like the top 100s, you know what I mean? But just like giving reverence equal due to all of the courses. Cause at the end of the day, and like I tell people, I mean, if you look specifically at our stuff, like a course routing drawn, all courses are literally equal. Like they are all at the end with our stuff end up being just a drawing of a routing. So like this course is no better than this course. Like that's like just a fact. So 
that's kind of how we treated it too. No, I love that. It's kind of like what you talked about earlier. It's like, it, it's more of a conversation piece, especially when you get your own club, because then you have people that maybe come into your house or wherever you hang it up. You know, if you hang it up at your other club, you can kind of just say like, man, remember when I made par here and well, I was over here and you can kind of, it's like, it, it brings more stories out than just like, Oh, well, yeah, that's Augusta. Right. All right. right. And then like, you get, I mean, I've, Top 100 courses are obviously always amazing, and we always cherish those kind of, you know, prints as well. But th- those personal pieces seem to invoke more stories out of people, especially when they get them for themselves to hang them up in their own home. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, we'll do even, like, individual hole pieces. So both with, like, club accounts and individuals. So, like, hole-in-one stuff. You know, again, buddies trip type stuff where, you know, we're commemorating maybe an entire trip, multiple courses all at the same time on a design like that, but they really are like conversation pieces as opposed to, and that's like golf art in general, really, I guess is, you know, like you can buy a shirt, you can buy a hat, you can wear a shirt and a hat and, and, you know, but the art side of it, um, and everybody that's into golf art and selling it and creating awesome stuff, like they, it really is more conversational than mm-hmm. anything, you know? So I like that about it a lot. Yeah, for sure. And I think the, the neat part about it too is like just the way I've never seen golf routings on t-shirts anywhere I, I don't know about maybe from yourself doing it you've seen other people do golf routings but i think that's special in its own right just putting a golf routing on a piece of apparel and um you usually only see them on like a frame or some sort so i think that's a really neat piece that you had that i didn't really even know you had until i stopped by your booth so yeah it's well so you know with our retail site in the instagram we do a better job now and you see a lot of the stuff and obviously here at the show, but you know, sometimes people don't even realize it. Like we have a wholesale catalog that we wholesale to clubs that we even sell to clubs. Um, you know, but the wholesale catalog, you know, unfortunately like for individuals or the retail site, the, pretty much everything in there isn't offered to, you know, a single individual. It's just wholesale to clubs mm-hmm. um, down the road. Like that's one of the things that will, you know, we will likely change. You just have to make sure everything's done the right way. And f- you know, the pricing's difficult and figuring out all that stuff, you know, like I would love to, we all the time get like same sort of deal as the custom print orders. Like, can I get a shirt made of X club? And it's like, I would love to make you one shirt. I really would like everybody. Like I would love to make myself just one shirt of everything, but it's just, if we did that, it, it would eventually just not work out. So until we have everything organized the right way that we could do that, um, then we will. But you know, so it's interesting uh, to, to do all the different stuff. It's, in, it's a big part of like what I mostly do now. And just because like the golf industry and like sales to these club accounts and to individuals, like it moves so fast and everybody's so creative and comes up with really cool shit. And like, you know, you have to always be thinking about like, what's new, what can I do? So like, to your point, you know, like when we first did the t-shirts, I had never, I, that was all, I, all I did was like, what have I never seen? this on like you've seen routings on scorecards uh you've seen routings on prints before whatever like okay let's try the t-shirts and like you know there's tons of ideas that i constantly have and like we have tried stuff and it's been terrible and then like we'll try other stuff and it's decent try you know stuff in the works that's like really good but that's like the main thing you know because what helped us grow what has helped us here in these two days um like all of our club account wholesale businesses you know, like pretty much everybody that comes to us, uh, club wise and individual wise, they're like, this is so different. Like, this is new. I like it is, it's the aspect of different or novelty. So like, you don't want that to wear off. I mean, you know, hopefully like in three years it won't, 
not be different anymore. You know what I mean? But yeah. in the, on the chance that like a framed print of the design is not different in four years, like what else are we going to have? You know what I mean? So that's like the t-shirts and the different applications of wood and acrylic and um, you know, all the different stuff, the things that we're working on. So it's really important to try to, you know, always have something different. Think about what else could we do? Um, which is fun too, you know, like to just test stuff out and see what would work. Um, and it's just funny to see like the bad ones as well. You're like, wow, <laughs> not even close. It was like, so nice up here. And then yeah, we did it there. Like, it was like, that's not going to work. Ah, yeah. Big miss. But yeah. <laughs> no, from, from what I've seen at your, uh, from your booth and, and I know the design process, the, the design, the bad designs never make it that far, but it doesn't seem like you have many misses. It seems like a lot of the product that you have out this week, um, is truly something special. And I was amazed with the acrylic. I, I have no clue how you do it, but it came out looking really, really nice and clean. And, and that was one of the products that I was a fan favorite of was just that acrylic kind of wall piece it just looks so clean a little bit of shimmer on it I yeah mean, it's yeah just... they're those are really neat they're different i mean back i think a couple years ago acrylic was like really big but it used to have the like bolts in it almost if right. you know what i'm talking about like the little like your metal... four corner hangers yes, yes. and that like really turned people off and i mean those now like we print those just like paper but it's acrylic or glass or <laughs> metal just you know flatbed directly on it um but you know we don't have a ton of stuff like in the booth or that we sell at wholesale you know it's a nice catalog of a lot of products varied products unique products but you know it's not we don't have a hundred things in there but you know that's also because it's important just like with our retail site just like with our orders with individuals you know like there's a ton of stuff that we could do but there's not a ton of stuff that we 100% know that this is going to be right it's going to be the quality that we would buy that I would put up on the wall that I would want club xyz to receive so like the stuff that we have, we do all in-house, you know, before we didn't, I didn't want to add stuff until we could do that. So like everything is in-house. It's all us full vertical. We can do full customization on anything, like adjust any size, adjust any color, print it this way, print it that way. Um, and that's really important, you know, because you can get caught up in like, you know, looking around and saying, oh, like they're doing this, they're doing hats and so-and-so just put that out, this out. Do we need to put that out? Or like, especially even with just like retail, like our site and to individuals, like, you know, we don't really do merch. I mean, I try to do a little bit of stuff here and then like we did like the architect shirts a handful of times. Those are popular little things like that. But like, you know, I don't want to just like be, a t I don't want to be a t-shirt company. I don't want to be a hat company. First of all, like yeah. I don't know anything about it. And I mean, I really like, I can't keep up on that side, like because of that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we do the designs, we do prints, we do the print applications we do those well you know, I like to stick with that because you can just constantly look around and be like, Oh, they're doing that. Do we need to do that? Should we do that? Did you see what they did? And you'll end up, you know, doing all these different things, how much of it was actually quality stuff. Right. But like, Oh, you did it, you know? Um, and so I try to like stay away from that, but it's hard because you want, you know, sometimes you feel like it's like the, you know, like FOMO or whatever. You're like, what if we don't that, yeah. put out a waste management design? What if we don't have us open shit? Yeah. Sometimes it's important. Sometimes it's not. I mean, you know, yeah. at the end, what's most important is like, are you selling quality stuff to people? Like, yeah. Or did you just put out some stuff? Like, yeah. because you know, so it's tough, but I think everybody deals with that. Like in this day and age, whether it's like podcast content sales, you know, whatever it is, it's literally like, there's so much going on that it's you know you gotta you're focus. never gonna be able to get it all right i mean it, it's in and we and we deal with it kind of you know we talk every day between isaiah dante and myself it's like all right what's the store have that we have via enjoy the walk podcast stuff mm -hmm. and well you know 
do we want to do this? Well, everyone else is already doing this. Like, why do we do, do we want to do it because they're doing it? Or do we want to do it because that's something that enjoy the walk actually wants to offer. And when you actually start backing up and like asking yourself that question, it becomes, you kind of zone in on your own little niche rather right, than right. doing what the masses are doing. Or you just and, jump around and it's, you're going out with idea one and then you jump to idea two and then three, four, five, and who knows what's going You have too many ideas and then yeah. you get overwhelmed. This is so simple yet. It's so exclusive yet there's so much meaning behind it too right. because like you were saying earlier you know oh i part or i birdied that hole this shoot whatever i was coming up 18 i was you know one over or something like that and that's something you can put on you know your your wall or even yeah. like you're saying with the hole the signature right, right. hole say you ace that hole you can just get that drawn up <laughs> like i ace that hole rather than everybody going out and getting the ball cut in half and pl plastered yeah. on black yeah yeah, it's really neat to see. I, and I love it. It's just there's um, there's always room in an industry for something new. And I think we walked around a majority of the floor today, and there's nothing like it at all, which, I mean, speaks to your creativity and the, and the way you've been able to build kind of just, you know, what started out as just the hobby of making yeah. something for yourself. And um, there's a lot of opportunity for, I think, people to do that if if they just stick to – kind of their morals. Cause like you didn't, like you right, said, you right, didn't right. do it to, to get rich or to do it, you know, out of character. You did it because you love doing it and you said, man, that, that's pretty cool. And it was pretty fun. You know? Yeah. And it, I mean, there, you know, it's one of those things like it's so cliche to say like, you know, be different or like be different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But like, you know, really it is like, especially, I don't know, in golf, like nowadays it is important, but it's also, you know, it's not necessarily be different like the way I think of it is like it's not necessarily be different like how like out there can we be but it's be different like we just talked about like you don't have to you don't have to do the same podcast of like the 10 that you have on your iPod you know what I mean or your iPhone um like do different content like like I said I don't need to look around and say oh these you know what I consider like competitors or some like companies like we don't need to do all that so like different in that sense you know like you be it's like be yourself I guess more so yeah. like or as a brand as a company, whatever you are, you know, like that, I think is the true value in, in doing whatever anybody's doing. But also when everybody does that, like everybody can exist within the same space. No problem. Like, you know, we talk about down here. I always say like, we don't need to sell to every club, not even close. We don't need to sell to 10,000 clubs. We don't need to sell to a thousand clubs. Like let's sell to as many clubs as we can, but like establish really strong relationships with them. Same thing. Like I don't need, to everybody in Pennsylvania and New Jersey to order custom print like if they do great but if not like every person that orders let's make sure that it, they get the best print let's make sure it's perfect that it gets there in time all that stuff you know like that's what's important and everybody can exist with within the whole space while doing that like there can be as many podcasts as there need to be if everybody does their own thing you know what mm -hmm. I mean because then it's just like if, if we constantly look around and you do the same thing then it's eventually just going to be oversaturated which some aspects maybe are but like if everybody you know you can sell this person can sell to who they want to sell to we don't have to sell them like we can all do our own things this person can have this <laughs> on the podcast you know this content can be created this way and everybody can like coexist and that's how it like i was telling somebody earlier like that's how golf has like probably changed to where it is now or the golf industry you know like everybody kind of was like oh well like we could start playing nine holes only we could start playing four we could like bring back golf art we could start mm -hmm. podcasting about golf we could make videos about golf which like you know when our parents were younger that would have never happened 
but everybody likes just started doing that was like, let's just do it. And then it's here, you know? So like now, same thing. If everybody just is the way everybody's interacting in the space continues to just like move, you know, the industry, like, mm-hmm. you know, people probably didn't think they would come to the PTA show like five years ago and sit in like podcast rooms. Yeah. That's, uh, like, that's us. Us. Literally, literally us. And we were talking about it earlier today and it was the thing that you just said that I think speaks so loud and true. We had it, we had it said on our podcast when we did the interview with Gavin Green and Liberty um, co-opetition. So like we can all cooperate together and be in the same competition. Like we don't have to fight right. you for the same space. Like you can do, like you said, your podcast and I can do my podcast or if someone else comes out and starts drawing golf holes or whatever they can do it their way and you can do it your way and you can share that space there's so much unlimited value out there for everyone that like we can all have a piece of the pie and it and it's the fact of putting the quality back over the over quantity right you know you you're just you know you're you're all moving the needle together and i think that's where everybody says try to grow the game and it's about a community and it really is because you come down here i mean we're seeing other podcasters that could be potentially competitors but no we're rooting for each other mm-hmm. and they're given you know they're more well established and they're giving us tips, tips on, and hey be right. yourself you know right. don't try to be like someone else you know and mm-hmm. don't try and you just, just do your thing and that and that's what you're doing and that's and that's what we try yeah, to I mean, strive and enjoy the walk I'll, well. sh- I'll shout out the the golf wrx guys we we hung out with them and talked to them for like 45 minutes today and they were so cool and it was it was all about just helping us get better at what we do that way more listeners listen to golf podcasts right. in general right. Like just golf in general and getting more people into the game is what I think we should all be about no matter how we all go about doing it. No, a hundred percent. And I mean, th- that's the thing, like everybody together, you, you know, instead of just saying like grow the game, like growing the game is doing it together. You can still do it your own way. You can still, like we said, be different, unique, whatever, but like growing it is exactly what, you know, I do think is happening, which is a bunch of great creative people making creative stuff selling creative stuff just like doing creative mm-hmm. stuff and just changing the game and the direction of it which you know is really good i mean regardless of maybe some people say like sometimes it's you know not really changing or this like it is it's different than look at the pga tour right now right and the flair that's out there the creativity that's just in you know the media room with the way the guys interact with media with the way the guys dress with the way they play it's a different game right, than right. what Jack and Arnie played back and Gary played. It's a different game. Everybody's, as Tiger says, I'm just hanging out with the boys. It's, look yeah, at Tiger. Right. <laughs> you want to talk about change. You were talking yeah. about in the last decade, a complete character change. Tiger Woods is the epitome of that. No, yeah. I mean, and I tell, you know, all the time people that help me out that I work with, you know, like when we were coming down here, you know, it can be intimidating, like, you know, the wholesale or the club account stuff. And I think sometimes people have an idea about, you know, club professionals and things that, you know, that they're just, you know, different or like an upper echelon of, you know, person or, you know, oh man, like they're all scratch golfers and they wear black ties. And, you know, it's like, we left yesterday and we were like, every person that came to the booth, like we had club professionals from amazing clubs that like, I would die to go to and play. And these dudes were just like us, you know, yeah. like they were, we talked to them like I'm talking to you. I talked to them like I was talking to my buddies in the booth. Like everybody was just like us, you know? So like, that's another example of, you know, sometimes it's not, the perception is not always the reality. And like, that's certainly one of the ways. And those same people that are just like us are the ones, you know, also changing things like those are club professionals that are stocking different products and getting into new things. Those are guys who are listening to different podcasts and doing different things at the clubs or the courses, whatever. So like, you know, it's definitely um, a different time, but 
better, you know, like I, I don't see like any negatives to the direction or everything that everyone's doing. So, um, it's an exciting time for sure, regardless of how, you know, you're involved or even just looking at it from the outside. No. And then, uh, I, I just think you can grow from the inside, you know, from the golf professional or whoever's in the golf industry. And we can grow from the outside too. Like you, like you said, the, the golf professional that picks up something new from a golf podcast, that's already in the industry and he never thought about it. Boom. We gave him new ideas to go back to his club and to start doing new things with, you know, people who may not have liked the game as much and can like can invigorate a little bit more spark into, into somebody's game. So uh, I know we got to get you back. You're, you're a busy man here today, but we always ask this to kind of wrap up our podcasts. Uh, I don't know how long you've been in the game, but uh, your highest and lowest rounds, they don't have to be competitive, but uh, where they were and, and kind of what you really remember about them. So I started playing golf in high school. So I was, I played baseball my whole life, played in college, but I started playing golf in high school. So it would have been like ninth grade. I would have been 12, 13, whatever it was. And on the high school team, like starting out, I used to, you know, like I, I would, I, my highest round would be like uncountable because it's like, you know, you just like wouldn't finish basically sure. like, Oh, would you shoot? I don't know. Like I made eight on that last one quit keeping score on the one before that you know so like i guess infinite yeah. my best my best ever was uh i think 76 at pheasant ridge and back in pittsburgh which was our high school's home course so like by the time that i had gotten back to it years later in college and stuff i was actually decent um i was able to shoot that but yeah i'm just an average golfer i'm a 12 something handicap I'm not sure. I've so been on same course. So that was sweet, sweet revenge. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I got my, I got my, my revenge on it. So that was good. I love to hear that. So I guess, you know, let people know where they can find you, how they can contact you, you know, get the ball rolling on a design that they would like to see and um, you know, where they can maybe follow along with that design process. Sure. Too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can go to our site, golfdrawn.com. Uh, follow us along on Instagram. Same thing at golfdrawn. Um, and you know, I would invite anybody to check it out and even go as far as reach out, um, to see if you, you know, if you want to get your course drawn up or, or do anything for anyone, we always do free proofs. So like, you know, you don't have to pay anything to check out what your course would look like. So, you know, everybody can just feel free to reach out and, and, you know, uh, or if you have any questions or anything like that. So, but I appreciate you guys having me on and absolutely good. You feel free to, again, you know, you can reach out anytime and whatever we can myself or we can help you with, or, you know, do more of these, whatever you guys want to do. So this is good. That. And then we'll we'll get around it. Yeah, we'll get around yeah, it into deer we'll here on the weather break. Do you, do you play with guys, man. Do you play with anybody? No, I drive out there at like three thirty in the afternoon, usually <laughs> yeah. on like the most random of days. It'll literally be as soon as I'm free, I just shoot out there. Yeah, okay. Usually, I'll actually I call saying, and say, we, "Can I walk onto the first tee?" Yeah. <laughs> I will call Rob, and he'll say, "Yeah, if you can get here in forty minutes, I'll yeah. get in the car and go, and that's it." So, well, if you ever want to play a game, we got a nice group there in the realm of the twelve handicaps. I play. In okay, as well. that's perfect. Hack brigade, dude, huge. There group, we go. A lot of fun. Then you got the blue group. They're all like the better guys. They 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 crush me. You but, might have yeah. to get us up. We'll get right. we'll we'll right. we'll right. He's gonna be pretty. He's gonna be pretty slammed. Information. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you out there. That sounds good. No, for sure. It's a great group. Yeah, he, he, he rants and raves about it all the time, so I know you guys will have a blast out there at Running Deer. So, man, really appreciate you Thanks, guys. taking your time out of the day, as busy as it is, and, and no chatting with us. So, yep. uh, you know, you guys, the listeners, can find us uh, at underscore enjoy the walk on Instagram and Twitter, as well as www.enjoythewalk.store to find any of our T-shirts, hats, Dante's got a little dad hat action going on there and uh, some of our waste management uh, crush can tees that we had fun designing and uh, on a rainy Saturday afternoon. So guys, thanks for listening and until next time.
Enjoy the walk. Enjoy the walk. Stop one shot at a time.